Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 39 The Other Side of Pain Somewhere, like a great angry wave breaking against a crumbling shoreline, pain pounded. With every pulse of my heart I was aware of it, the reach and the vastness of that crimson electric agony. It was a pain that would hurl a man into the grave or into bedlam. Life and sanity were sand and shells before the grind and pound and roar of it. Yet I was in a place far beyond sanity or living, where the awareness of that vast pain had become severed from any sensation of it. I was on the other side of pain, the other side of reality. For this one brief fleck of infinity... I, a thing of meat and bone, had been given access to the realm of the divine. Who will speak first? I asked in a voice filled with blood and blackness. Who will lay their worries before the gaze of Melkarisha? As I spoke, I looked around and saw that great rents of darker blackness were opening up in the gloom beyond and above us. Pale shapes, at first mere faint will-o'-the-wisps, moved inside the blackness. I looked back to my companions, who sat almost motionless. Yet I could hear the great slow soft of their breathing, the wheeze of their lungs pumping air. A long, slow, creaking noise caught my attention and I turned to observe Talav's eyelid slowly closing. Her eyelashes crackled as they touched and parted. The pale shapes now had substance and physicality. Around and above me was a vast horde of ghostly men, women and children. Some were twisted in terrible spastic shapes, whilst others seemed untouched, perfect in form and expression. And here and there, amongst that pressing throng, were figures composed of glittering light. These last, I guessed, were the angels that guided the souls of the dead to their allotted place on the divine earth. Paradise, Drishika, or the contrition between where souls of lesser sinners could wait and pray in fear and hope whilst their cases were considered. There they all were, revealed to me and me alone, for I knew somehow that my companions could not see them. Angels, the saved, 
the damned, the yet to be judged, all waiting, all watching. Even in my supercharged state of existence, part of me trembled. The more I looked at the innumerable wraiths, the more entranced I became. My original quest to seek help for the sage and house gradually fading into irrelevance. As other considerations and questions formed within me. The desire to speak to the dead grew ever stronger, and the one word question that pushed all others aside and filled my mouth and heart and mouth to bursting was Numa. I pressed my lips together, squeezed close my eyes, refused the temptation. I opened my eyes. The wraiths were paler now, less substantial. Talav's eyes finished their blinking reflex. My companions breathed. I was still immune to pain, but my right hand and arm felt numb and constricted, and there was a hot itch on the left side of my chest. If Dick was opening his mouth to speak, but I held my left hand up to silence him. I was balanced between the material and the divine, between the particular and the immeasurable. Yet still I lacked the courage to hear my vizier's news. I turned in fear from Iftik, and the itch on my breast flared as if a spot of acid had touched my skin. I gasped, and the hair and clothing of my companions rippled in my breath. Jack, I said, forcing my attention to remain on that other reality, the reality of still living men and women gathered around a table seeking knowledge and guidance. The Admiral turned to face me. The ghosts beyond dimmed into almost nothingness. Tell your news to Melkarisha. Jack turned to face me her eyes blank and unblinking, and spoke. Eleven days ago, Your Excellency, Augur Bramlant arrived unannounced on Algalma and demanded an inquiry to be set up to look into possible heresies. As we were making ready to send out the Sajan troop carrier, Omniblate, I advised him to return to Enfeshka and make a formal request. This angered the Augur Bramlant, but he agreed to leave on condition that I first allowed him to make an inspection of Algalma. This I could not refuse him, but as Algalma was on combat alert, I insisted he be escorted by crewman Sternbridge. It was whilst watching Omniblate and her crew and troops getting ready that Augur Bramlant began interrogating the men about their beliefs. This led to a disturbance during which the Augur Bramlant declared, A curse on you all and all your superstitions. 
These words can be clearly heard on security recordings of the disembarkment bay. Talav, pilot and officer commanding of the Woolcraft Wee Scunner, immediately initiated the appropriate ritual for breaking curses. Alerted to the situation, I arrived and postponed the termination of the ritual. The sage and troop carrier Omniblade's departure was delayed, but her eventual flight went ahead without any problems. She reached the hyperspace jump zone yesterday, two hours behind schedule. After confirmation from Algalma, Omniblade flicked into hyperspace. She did not arrive at her target destination. There has been no communication from her since and no reported sightings of her by other Sajin and Allied vessels. She and her crew are now classed as missing, considered lost in hyperspace. To my left, Kokani shifted in his chair. You have something to add, I said. Hyperspace is still a poorly understood medium, Your Excellency. And whilst it is safest to enter at precisely calculated points, at precisely calculated times, it is by no means certain that such a minor deviation can result in a craft being lost. Yet the ship is lost, I replied. And such ships often stay lost or are flipped back out of hyperspace damaged and twisted. Crew and ship fused together, human minds stripped of reasoning and computers violently suicidal. But not always, Your Excellency, said Kokani, his voice a pleading whine. Many ships do turn up only a little behind schedule and only slightly off. Course. That may be, interrupted Admiral Jack, but the longer a ship is lost, the greater its jeopardy, and there can be no doubt, absolutely none, that the Omniblade's delay in entering hyperspace was caused by the actions of the Augur Bramlant. Damn it, Your Excellency, I should have let the blasphemous bastard be crucified. What blasphemy, declared Kokani, his voice suddenly stronger and angrier. An ogre is well within his rights to place a curse on heretics and non-believers. Perhaps that is why your men are lost, just punishment for foul beliefs. Admiral Jack pushed back her chair but I commanded her to sit. Kokani said no more. Beyond them, the wraiths were coming back into focus again. I looked towards Ifdek. His face was grim, his fists clenched. I knew in that moment his words would report something far worse than the loss of a massive troop carrier. The pain on my breast flared, burnt deep into my chest. 
and the black rents, a number of the phantoms began to smile. I finally spoke the words I dreaded most. Speak, Iftek. Share your burden with Mel Carisha. Thanks everybody for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and the Hurting Heart. If you like it, please tell your friends, your family, your ancient enemies. Look after yourselves as well. Beam hugs to folk. What I'm doing is I'm actually doing free online shows now, my storytelling shows. I'm doing them once a month. So the first one was in May there. I'll put a link to it. Um, And if you want to see the next show, just follow my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Celtic Tales Rab Fulton. Alright, stay tuned for the next chapter.